What What do you think of of a pun in general? Because it, it seems like something Matthew would both enjoy but also disapprove of. You know. Uh I I have great satisfaction in like writing them. I would never saying them is a, a little more tiresome, but I do roll my <laughs> eyes when I see anyone else doing them. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Uh, see, yeah. I, I I reckon it's like saying how do you like a pun is like saying how do you like a metaphor. Like a pun <laughs> is a device, right? Yeah. It's, but what the mistake people make is it's not a joke in itself. Bingo. It, it's a linguistic tool, like the worst thing in the world. I think hell for me would be a room full of people trying to get different fish names into ordinary sentences <laughs> in the mistaken understanding that that is a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, I think that's, that's fair. On the contrary, if you married a haddock and someone yeah. turned to you and say, well, now that's official, that would be funny. Context, folks. Welcome to episode 153 of the Electronic Wireless Show podcast, the best podcast, the only podcast you need. I forgot my own intro then. Blimey. Rock, Paper, Shotguns, PC gaming podcast and the only podcast you need, in my opinion. I know I said it was episode 153 last week, but I was wrong. It's this week. Sorry. (laughs) This week we're talking about the best weird currencies and um, resources in games. Uh, And I look forward to... Uh, an interminable discussion on what counts as a currency or a resource. I cannot <laughs> wait either. <laughs> uh, I'm Alice Bell, and I'm joined this week by Myco Transactions. Hello there. Would Hello. you like to buy a sock? Who knows what it contains? <laughs> <laughs> Just a sock, like a like a running sort of like a hockey. Stocking, you know, what are we... Whatever sock you're given, my friend. (laughs) Who knows? But it's three quid. (laughs) Wait, but does the sock contain the gift, or is the sock the gift? Depends on whether you buy enough sock coins as well. (laughs) They can give you a chance of a random hockey sock drop. (laughs) Sock coins. Or a hockey sock drop would have more stuff in it, because it's longer. Or it might just have one larger thing. <laughs> a microwave. <laughs> Probably new cosmetics for your dog. <laughs> uh, and that other voice you can hear is Auric Goldfinger. Hello. Oh, so I expect you to die. <laughs> <laughs> have you been expecting me? I expect you to die. And I love gold. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, Can lots. you imagine if that if Matthew <laughs> was actually like, if that was Goldfinger, if that was the light in the film? I am Gold. I am Auric Goldfinger. Yeah, I thought it was the James Bond character. 
<laughs> yeah. Do you mean to say it's actually Matthew? It's actually me. I'll pull That's off my wild. mask. That's wild. Though I also love gold, so... Do you, though? I have... Uh, well, money. I love money. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> embarrassed not to say it. Do you not love gold? <laughs> well... I, if I had gold, I'd have to like turn it into usable money, which would be a hassle. If you could have, if you could transfer all of your savings into any mineral, oh god, and it would be presumed to hold its value exactly as well as gold. Mm. Which mineral would you choose? Just so you could have like, and you get a little vault added to your house where it's all contained. Um, what about like fool's gold? Well, if you're a fool, yeah. Yeah, but I wouldn't be a fool because it would have the value of the money that I put in. Well, yeah, but it doesn't look as good as gold. That's why it's for fools. <laughs> a fool's gold looks like gold. That's why it, it still satisfies the gold part. It, it tricks fools, but it is, it, that's because it looks like gold. It doesn't really look like gold. I think they, <laughs> they really were fools, Matthew. <laughs> what, really? Yeah, I'm afraid um, to say. Oh, my God. I'd- I'd like a vault in my house full of some kind of arsenical, just some, just loads of arsenic. To poison, turn all your money into poison. Yeah, because then there'd be a real sense of danger if I invited you around for dinner. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to give you some money. Please don't. <laughs> if you were a miser, actually, that would be brilliant. Oh, yeah. You can Scrooge, have as Scrooge much money as you can that. carry. <laughs> With your bare hands. I, I'm going to give you a raise, Bob Cratchit, but in arsenic. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's again, it's fine as long as there's a arsenic conversion center near you. I would choose malachite. <laughs> Cashforarsenic.com. Yeah. Oh. I don't know what it's like where you live, but in Bath, that's all the high street is now. Yeah, yeah. Just arsenic shops. It's oh. people bringing in their uh, their grandparents' arsenic to... Yeah, that they kept under their bed because they didn't trust the bank. Mm. What is... What form... I don't really know much about malachite. It's just a cool... Uh, it's a copper ore, I think, but it's like it's green, green rock, basically. It's well cool. Yeah, there's um, the in St. Petersburg, I think it's the Hermitage, the big art museum there, but it used to be like one of those fancy Russian like king houses. And there's like a whole suite of rooms where each room is done up in a different outrageously colored stone. And there's a malachite room. Uh, it's mega. Everything's well green. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to be so rich that I could, like, each room had a name. You know, <laughs> right? Beyond kitchen, living well, room. I was going to say they do. I I don't know, you know how your I mean. house is organised, but yeah, uh, we've, we've got names for all our rooms. There's George, where we go to poo. <laughs> oh, poor <And> George. There's, <laughs> there's Big Ronald. It's the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Scumbut. That's uh... <laughs> I feel. L- listen, though, we've diverted <laughs> from the diversion I wanted to make, right? Which because normally we start this podcast chatting a bit about how we are, and I want to ask Matthew about his ice cream consumption. 
this mm. past weekend. It was e- it was epic. It was obscene. Because <laughs> didn't you get told? So you were at a wedding and you got told that they'd overordered ice cream. What take me through your thought process at that point? Well, it like. <laughs> I'm a bit of a scrounger when I go home for food because I obviously really like my mum's home cooking. So actually, by the time someone said, oh, there's all these extra ice creams, I think I'd kind of pushed everyone to the sort of point of insanity with my constant asking about food and extra foods and stuff. So it was a bit <laughs> of like, a, I don't know, it sort of felt inevitable at that point that, that you know, when it happened, everyone was just like, oh, well, obviously, Matthew is going to be into this. Uh, and they were right. Um <laughs> I what mean, kind of ice cream are we talking? Nice. Well, it, technically gelato, um, but made by, I don't know where they're, I, I assume they're, they're located in Devon or Cornwall or somewhere around there called Bamboo. Mm. Um, quite nice. I would say it's like sort of theatre grade interval ice cream. Oh, okay. That's serious. Oh, so was it in little... Pots, mm. but Pots. like with a little wooden spoon in the lid, but kind of like posh, nice ice cream. I was imagining like some sort of weary chef having to <laughs> continually no, if, if, fill if, your plate. No, <laughs> if I'd had to ask someone to dollop me out infinite ice cream, I, I would have been too embarrassed to have um, taken them up on that because I don't really want to look in someone else's eyes and have that kind of connection that I'm like, a grotesque pig. <laughs> but, um, here, I mean, to be fair, it was like an ice cream. They had like an ice cream lady with the tray, like in the theatre. So there was like a bit of connection. Um, but, you know, no shame. Uh, I, should, I should add, like, our table had already put in a request to the caterers who were doing the whole thing that we wanted more food than everyone else on our table. <laughs> because we were a table of fatos, um, and we got it. Um, so that was great. Yeah, I just kept eating these ice creams, but the really, the dangerous bit was I found where they stored all the ice creams, oh which my was gosh. in this like, f- freezer at the back of a garage. Um, so, uh, But it was a garage where the men's toilets were as well, so I think people probably thought I had some kind of other problem, so I kept sort of sneaking <laughs> off. Um, and then coming back, you know, leaving the garage, rubbing my tummy, going, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and people are like, what on earth is that guy's deal? Um, yeah, I, ate, oh uh, I ate an awful lot of ice cream. I ate an awful lot of everything. Because I, I also, like, it's a bit like a stealth game where you can sort of see guard patrol patterns, but I work out, like, where the canapes are going to emerge from. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> all, all your, your playing of Hitman prepared you (laughs) yeah i mean you must do this like in the before times at social events like you work out the optimal food place in the room right no i I actually you must do well surely everyone does this anyone with half a brain goes i want to get the most food (laughs) no because if everyone did that then there would just be a a sort of crowd of zombies pressing in (laughs) Well, then you have to adapt and find an even better location. That's part of the fun. Well, no, I get exactly what you're talking about with it being a stealth game. Um, <laughs> so what, one of the, the more tawdry bits of Nate's law uh, is, is obviously that I used to be a financial journalist. And part of that job was going to loads of absolutely dismal trade association networking events. 
um, which were just full of absolute bastards in tuxedos, just gnashing the word business at each other. <laughs> but they would always have, and I don't know why, but miniature versions of classic meals being yeah. taken around on trays, you know, tiny fish and chips, tiny burgers and all that. And everyone was usually too busy talking about business to eat them. So they're just these sort of despondent, like actual human beings walking around with trays of them. Um, and there was a skill to weaving through the crowd of businessmen and like, you know, in, in things like Hitman, there's that moment of tension, like, oh, oh, am I too far away to press F and strangle them? <laughs> it was like that. Am I slightly out of reach to grasp a sausage on a stick? Because <laughs> if you fail, you'll end up just like overreaching, smashing into the head of like, you know, Royal Bank of Scotland's leasing arm <laughs> and end up with no sausage. <laughs> So that was, it always felt very, very Ian Hitman. I, I had quite a low moment uh, during the canapé stage of the wedding where there were these bowls of sort of miniature sausages in some kind of delicious sticky sauce. And uh, Oh, hang came... on. This is, this is surely very glistening. Oh, I'll tell you what, they were really glistening. <laughs> like, had any podcast listener been at this wedding, they would have been, like, right on me. Like, what is that about? I'll, yeah, I'll put my hands up and say, I broke the rules. All the distance is not forsaken by Matthew. Yeah, but they, they came with sticks. So he had a little stick, and then he stuck it into a sausage, and then the sausage person would walk on. Um, but it got to the point where they were so delicious, I was just asking to sort of wait there, so they just had to stand in front of me <laughs> while I shoveled sausages from their hands into my mouth. Um, and... You could tell it was weird for them because they don't really know where to look. Um, what was especially weird was it was kind of a family wedding and some of the, the, the people helping were actually like family members. So it was kind of like a, a sort of a waiter that you, you know because it's your dad. <laughs> <laughs> so you have this very strange thing because on one hand you're like, this is my dad and obviously we have all that, you know, you know, whatever relationship you have with your dad. But on the other hand, they're also a waiter and you have whatever relationship you have with the waiter. And it was, it was quite awkward because it's like a, it's like a waiter who you know is going to comment on all this stuff in 24 hours and say they thought you overdid it. Um, so it was just super awkward. Um, I, yeah. What an intense psychological it. time you had. <laughs> yeah, but then I ate just like, you know, ten tubs of ice cream, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> well, on on that that point, let's have a, a we had break, and then we can um, we can come back and and ask how Nate's doing. If you love online shooters, you should listen to Ultimate Audio Bang, Rock Paper Shotgun's fortnightly podcast. Every second Friday, I, Ed Thorne, and I, Imogen Beckelling, chat about the latest news in Shooterland. We go in-depth on Apex, Warzone, and more in our weekly talking points. And we also tell you about the silly player names you come across. I once played Valorant with Joey Tribbiani. Subscribe to Ultimate Audio Bang on your preferred podcasting app, or listen to us every second Friday on rockpapershotgun.com. Uh, Nate, how how many ice creams have you eaten? <laughs> Nothing to report week. on that front, <laughs> alas. Uh, 
I've been continuing to think a lot about Aztecs. That's good. I'm glad, the, glad of that. <laughs> uh, I've been learning all about what they eat. I want to make an Aztec meal. Mm. Interesting. Um, like, without the human hearts. Um, and that, is that a thing not, that actually happened, or is that just a thing that like Mel Gibson made up in that film? No, that's not even me being history racist. Oh, like, okay. uh, actually, no, it wasn't the hearts. The priests would give the the organs and the torso to the gods, but uh, the warriors who had captured the sacrifices would usually eat the arms and legs. And interestingly, um, it was the only thing the Aztecs didn't put chili with. Um, really? That is interesting. You'd think it would spice it up a bit. No, it was unflavoured, but for a little salt, and they ate them with tamales. Um, mm. In fact, an Az- for the Aztecs, fasting counted as not eating chilli and salt. I like, can you do you know what, those, though? Like, many things without salt are inedible. <laughs> so, Oh, I don't really put salt on anything. What? Oh, my God. F- it's not I just want to enjoy the natural flavour of things. It just oh le- it leaps out. <laughs> I don't. I don't, honestly. I don't. I you know whatever what? you know things things may have na- you know are naturally salty, but I I never add anything to any meal. <laughs> I, I like Even to. When I, you're like cooking. to ju- I like to judge what the chef can do with just the raw ingredients. <laughs> Salt's an ingredient, you buffoon. <laughs> it's an ingredient that I'm adding, not the chef. That's like saying, like, this meal was cooked 98% by the chef and 2% by me. What the f*** do I know? I can't put that. That's, it's not for me to add. That's like me going in and going, like, oh, let's, uh, let's put some licorice in this, on this pizza as well. Like, it's just absurd, the idea that I would know what I'm doing. But what if you were to cook a stew? Uh, well, I, well, I probably wouldn't put extra salt in it. Well, what's extra? <laughs> Well, salt. You wouldn't put any salt. Well, I don't know. Like, what? Well, just I'm sorry. I don't think this is that wild and a statement. The, like, I I think there the are lots of man people. Who, oh, lots of people do not salt their meals. <laughs> oh my word. Oh. That is not as weird as you think it is. <laughs> I will say this. I don't know why pepper's always been seen as on a level with salt. Mm. Uh, just to get serious for a moment. Uh, <laughs> what? I'm not interested uh, in either. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? I d- oh, my word, Alice. <laughs> I'm sorry. This just—I don't put any salt on my food. It's like something I'd make up you saying to make fun of you. <laughs> Just—I—it's not. I didn't see it as any kind of extreme boast. It's just a fact. It's just. This will be remembered as the week the podcast descended into cyberbullying. <laughs> Uh, is this cyberbullying or is this just like voice bullying? Do, 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 we, do you even have salt in your house, Matthew? Well, yeah, because Catherine, Catherine likes salt? salt and stuff. Okay, that's good. Have you ever, Matthew, honestly, try salt? <laughs> fish and chips. You must put salt on fish and chips. Yeah. 
Or actually, I do put salt and vinegar on fish and chips chips. There you go. But that's because that's, that's how that, that particular food is meant to be prepared. So you think most foods are meant to be prepared without seasoning? Without my seasoning? I want the chef to balance it right. I'll tell you what it's like. It's like, um, you know, in video games, when you get them and there's like a standard difficulty mode and you expect that they've balanced the difficulty for normal. So playing on normal shouldn't be like a mad thing. It should just be they've all balanced it up nicely. Uh, but when the meal comes out, it's like on normal mode. I expect the chef to have balanced <laughs> it for me. I'm not going to put it up to hard mode by adding my own crap to it, you know? Well, no, some would say by putting, like, tasty things on it, you're putting it on easy mode. So what you've essentially done is just wade into the difficulty in games discourse on the wrong side of history. Oh, no, I can't believe it. I'm sorry, Matthew, I can't... <laughs> I just, I don't think it's that wild. I think, I mean, I can tell you this, you would have been really respected by the Aztecs. <laughs> exactly. And that's all that uh, matters to me, really. Um, um, there, yeah, there are many reasons the Aztecs would have respected you, but that, that probably has primacy. They'd think you were just really hard. I don't know mm. why, I just, I, I just really, I, I really want Matthew to try, salt will awaken so many flavours, Matthew, honestly. It's, we, we need to do a campaign, you know, like Got Milk. We need to do a campaign where, like, Nate has got, like, a salt massage. <laughs> <laughs> but don't they tell you got to eat salt? less? You're meant to eat less salt in general, right? Well, yeah, oh, but how yeah, much salt do you think you put on a, you know... Well, it's all no. like, you don't... Okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> anyway. Oh, actually, speaking of salt moustaches, brief bit of actual news from my life. My daughter has now made it clear three times she wishes me to shave off my entire beard... But then she says, poking my upper lip with a finger, not that bit, like that bit. Mm. So it looks like I'm going to have a moustache. Interesting. Have you ever had one before? Never. That's quite, that's dad mode, isn't it? Moustache with no beard. That's very it's dadly. Seriously dadly. Yeah. Although mine's quite long, so I could convincingly pull off a sort of a lemmy moustache, I reckon. Like a handlebar. Yeah, we yeah. shall see. This All is right. probably imminent, so you okay. know. Mm. I'm excited. Hey, look, Ooh la la. we've we've spent essentially 22 minutes making fun of Matthew, so we probably move on to the actual topic of uh, the episode this week. So this week we're talking about the best weird currencies or. Um, resources and games. This is inspired by a couple of things that have come out of Gamescom, which is happening this week and which we have entirely failed to mention. Uh, it's one of the biggest events in gaming of the year. Um, but uh, there's a game called Strange Horticulture, which has been revealed, which is sort of like you uh, sell plants, but also there's a murder mystery, I think, um, mm. which obviously I'm well into. And and there's a, a resource in that called Will to Explore that you get from people sending you letters about cool things they found and that you can use that to explore the area around you and find new weird plants. And mm. I, I like that. Um, and then also Park Beyond, uh, which has just been announced as well, which is um, from Limbic Entertainment who did Tropico 6. Uh, they're making a theme park management game. 
And uh, they have a, a resource in that called, well, they're calling it for the moment, it might change, amazement. And then you use amazement to uh, make your, your park kind of weird and crazy. Amazement. Um, yeah, it's generated by your visitors generate you money and amazement, which I like. Um, uh. So I thought it would be quite a nice topic to talk about. Um, but uh, I mean, are we all agreed on what a currency and resource is in a game? I'm just struggling not to do the reverse segue that the Romans paid their soldiers in salt. <laughs> Did they actually? That's where the word salary comes from, yeah. Well, see how valuable salt is, Matthew. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> then you're one, more, I have awful you for eating. <laughs> Who eats their salary? Oh, my God. <laughs> not me. I'd be like laughing all the way to the bank, literally, because I'd have all this salt that I'm not eating. Well, hopefully not Alice if she's turned it all into, uh, into arsenic. Yeah, arsenic can present as a salt, can't it? So, oh, my like, Even more reason not to sprinkle it on your food. So much accidental synergy on the podcast this week. I am, I, I, because I don't put stuff on my food, I am much harder to kill in an Agatha Christie novel. <laughs> Good luck with that. That's a whole avenue of murders I've cut off very cleverly. How, how do you feel about salted caramel? <laughs> uh, well, there, the chef has decided to put salt into it, so I will accept it. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, just so, there's so much wrong with that, the idea that you would, uh, the equivalence there. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. Okay, anyway. so this is an interesting one. I was thinking about um, Old World, which I've been playing recently, uh, which is it's a 4X game uh, by Mohawk Games, who also made um, Off-World Trading Company, if you've played it, uh, which is very good. Um, and so is Old World. It's, I felt a bit bad when I did the... Uh, humankind review because it's all like oh this is the big contender to civilization but old world is is really strong as well it's it's again that model of game where you're steering a culture through all of history mm. and the thing that makes that game really interesting and very different is that there are about a million resources now that, that won't surprise anyone who played off world trading company because uh, yeah, that was about extracting loads of resources from Mars and that. And there was a, a modeled in-game market where the commodities all had different prices. And if you flooded the, the market, you know, with space oil or whatever, the price would go down. So Old World is kind of similar. And you've got all of these resources, the classic Forex stuff like lumber, stone, things like that. But also things like, you know, legitimacy and... Uh, like martial culture and all of these more abstract ones and playing it well essentially means or a large component of it is working out what the smart trades are. Mm. So if you want to build, you know, uh, a, a, I don't know, a, um, an amphitheater or something, you 
might actually be best to go about it a really roundabout way by a few turns ahead, getting some lads on stone mining because you know that there's an improvement you can make which costs stone but generates the resource you need to make the amphitheater. So right. it's quite okay. quite interesting. And so it's got all of these little currencies going at once. Actual money is, is just one of many. It's How legitimacy, you- actually, like a number you have. Yeah. Yeah. How does one earn legitimacy asking for a friend? <laughs> uh, just ruling for ages okay. and like making decisions that are frightening but fair. Oh, okay, so like, you know, making the tough choices. Yeah, like, oh, you have, you have disrespected our symbol, the birds. You'll be thrown to the birds. You were warned. And people are like, that is legit. That yeah, is no, legit. That's, yeah. <laughs> That guy just got howled to pieces. That is so <laughs> legit what just happened. <laughs> That's what I say about, like, a Marvel film. <laughs> oh, that film was so legit. <laughs> it just, uh, words have no meaning anymore. <laughs> okay, no, I like that. That's good. I enjoy that. Um, mm. Well, Paradox Games do that as well, don't they? Like, like everything is commoditized. Uh, in, in, in Paradox Games, and it, it tracks all sorts of esoteric things. Like, you know, everyone thinks of some everyone else in the game in a number between, like, minus 200 and plus 200. And it's all little tiny, tiny incremental ticks on numbers, and when they pass thresholds, you're allowed to, like, make a new pope or whatever. Maybe I'll start rating people like that. Just create a spreadsheet of all my fr- friends and family and kind of like chart statistically where I stand with all of them and where they stand with me. Like a science-based system. Yeah, surely, for friendship. It seems like a lot of admin because surely everyone just does that all the time. But, you know, in their heads, like Matthew lost a lot of standing today, for example. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just don't do it like a Rimworld colonist, because then it would be like if someone had a better bedroom than you, it would upset you more than if you'd just watch them kick someone's head in in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can see that. It depends on the bedroom and the person who's in. I, I, I honestly don't believe anyone's got a better bedroom than I've got. Like, well, I really, I- honestly. My bed is is well, it's so legit. It's it's amazing. <laughs> what is it made of? Live geese that lie perfectly well, no, that'd still. Be noisy and terrible. Well, no, because they're all so utterly cowed by your legitimacy. <laughs> right, they just lie flat. Well, no, but at the same time, neither do any of my friends or family. I've just got a really big bed. Whenever I get back to it, I'm like, oh, I love this big bed because all the beds I sleep in anywhere else are not as good as this bed. Alice, would you sleep on a slab of live geese? (laughs) No. Reasonable. I don't think I would. I'll give you uh, £50,000 to sleep (laughs) on a slab of live geese for uh, three weeks. (laughs) Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, let's hold that for the next Sweeten the Deal. That's a good one. (laughs) I I don't know if you heard, Matthew, but I was quite good at Sweeten the Deal just because uh, Nate... Massively misjudged my morals. Uh. Oh, she's a killer at that game. I was very impressed. <laughs> like he thought he thought I'd care about eating a grape. About eating a grape? 
gorilla. Oh, right. Na- nature's great. <laughs> nature's great. <laughs> nature's big, fat, great. The gorilla. Anyway. Um, no, I like that that kind of stuff. I also like the the weird kind of hard currencies. So like um, an iconic one is uh, Nuka-Cola caps, caps in um, Fallout, in the Fallout series. And mm. I like that just because I imagine like someone who is cap rich just having to like haul around a shopping cart full of jangling metal, you know. Just very inconvenient kind of currency. Can't I saw a really interesting YouTube video recently where someone was experimenting to see how comfortable it would be to carry varying amounts of gold coins and then comparing that against how many you pick up in various well-known RPGs. Oh. It's quite funny how quickly it becomes a massive encumbrance yeah. to carry around gold coins. Yeah. <laughs> But I just yeah I, I like that I love because I our money in the UK is pretty good because uh, it's all different sizes so you can tell a fiver from a twenty without even looking basically which is not the case with American notes and I find them upsetting because American mm. notes are all the same size um, and it's confusing and upsetting to me um, but I like the idea of just like yeah a currency that is completely impractical like in um, Alice Madness Returns, it's teeth. <laughs> you collect teeth uh, to upgrade your uh, your weapons with. Um, yeah, that would be a pain. Like imagine That's carrying the, around the a sack of teeth. Orcs use that in Warhammer. Do they? Yeah, and the joke is because their teeth grow back when they knock them out, so when they're, they're broke, they just have a fight, pick up their teeth, and then they've got money again. <laughs> It's quite clever, really. Yeah, it's smart. It's yeah, quite good. Although, would inflation not be a problem? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think they really care about economics. I don't, no, they, yeah, no. I, I don't think any orc society lasts long enough for that to be a problem. <laughs> uh, the problem I always had with bottle caps was when I first started playing Fallout Three, I didn't make the connection between the currency being called caps and than being physical <laughs> bottle caps. Because whenever I'd open something up, there'd be like a load of bottle caps and, you know, a box of freeze-dried mashed potato. And I'd be like, well, I'm not taking the bottle caps. What a pointless thing that is. And it oh, genuinely right. took me like 20 hours to work out that I'd just not been picking up the currency because I didn't understand the, the rules of the world. Oh, yeah, but then oh, well. on the, now I do ha- now I do understand it and appreciate it. You know, I like the idea that when you find a bottle of Nuka Cola, it's both a drink and like an extra cap in your currency. Mm. I always thought that was really cool. Yeah, it's good. Who can forget, of course, uh, Metro twenty thirty three, where bullets were currency. Yeah, that was yeah. genius. I like it's good as well because it's it it really works within the. The world, and also I like the idea. It, you know, like how many people would you kill for this item? How many mm. dead people is this? You know, well, it, it kind of brings it back to the old world thing, doesn't it? Where I think what I really like about currency in games, where there are multiple currencies, and part of the game is working out the relative worth of them. Mm. Yeah, you know, because I, I always think for me. Like the 
the biggest fun thing in games is dilemmas mm. that are fun to solve. And yeah, so when you have difficult decisions, because, you know, uh, you could take different courses of action that result you in you getting different types of currency and you're trying to, well, which one is actually more valuable to me, you know, and can get the things that I want. And then you've got things like the bullets are money thing, where it's, well, what's more valuable to me? Killing or buying things to kill with. Mm. What about when a game sort of accidentally creates a resource like uh, the boars in the boar situation in, or the warthogs in Planet Zoo? Oh, God, yeah. That was. Do, um, did, in that instance, did they count as a resource? Well, they, they did, yeah. All of, well, all of the animals became commodities with a price. And, like, you know, I suppose that the, the ultimate value is the, the gorillion dollars, if you will, <laughs> of being able to get an actual living primate. Uh, whereas warthogs were like pennies, only pennies that bred to mm. make more pennies. So this, I, I remember you said, like, because this was in relation to the sort of online trading with other players, right? And just everyone, it was just flooded with. Well, yeah, because there, there were two currencies in Planet Zoo. There's regular money and then there's conservation credits, which I guess represents to what extent you are respected and trusted as being a good conservation zoo that, you know, looks after animals well, breeds them and releases them into the wild. So the more endangered animals and the more endangered they are that you release into the world, the more conservation credits you get. And when the game launched, the online mode had a, an animal market that all players were participating in, but everyone immediately panic hoarded all of the cool animals. Um, <laughs> So it was like, you know, imagine millions of orangutans locked away in one giant fortified compound. <laughs> and so everyone was left with only the animals they could buy with cash, which was just like scum animals, like peacocks. <laughs> and, <laughs> and people were just breeding them in these huge, like horrific battery farms <laughs> just to get like, you know, and they were all getting really inbred and mutated. So people were just releasing like, <laughs> millions of absolutely knackered ostriches into the wild just to get, you know, in a sort of an animal Stalingrad to get the fractions of a conservation credit uh, each time necessary to eventually save up for like a poorly lemur. <laughs> they fixed it very quickly, but it was a very funny situation. <laughs> uh, I thought, yeah, that was brilliant. Um, it's not um, quite the same thing, but I, uh, res resources was making me think about like um, survival oh, games yeah, yeah, yeah. where you don't really deal in currency, you deal in other sort of weird bits and bobs. But actually just tied to the Planet Zoo, I think one of the interesting things about um, the new Jurassic World Evolution 2 that's coming up soon is that they've made... Um, this doesn't entirely tie into it, but they've, they've made this new sort of territory system for the dinosaurs oh, where yeah. within, the, within their pens, they like mark out 
we'll mark out territory based on like it's being specifically around the things they need. So where in the first game you just you just dump down a load of fences and you know as long as the water and food was satisfied somewhere within that pen they were happy. But now they'll kind of gravitate towards specifically the water and food and um so it kind of becomes possible to build like it's less about the pen and more about the 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 specific patches of ecosystem and in theory you could kind of build out like a the whole Jurassic Park is like a big nature reserve with uh-huh. all these kind of um territories working kind of in parallel and you know you could really balance everything out so you know it that has... is honestly bloody fantastic yeah yeah, it's, what it's, great idea! Mm, yeah, it's it's, inter- it's it's super interesting. I think it'll be difficult because I think the moment you put like anything scary in there, everything will just go ballistic. But um, apparently, yeah, you can you can kind of like balance it all out, which is which should be well, neat. For the mold, you could do mixed species exhibits with T Rexes and 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 larger herbivores in the first one. If you gave them enough space, mm. they wouldn't beast each other. Mm. I think here, yeah, you can kind of manipulate or lean into that a bit more and kind of really go wild with that. Oh, have we got a release date for that yet? Did they say yesterday? Uh, I can't remember. I'll I'll find out. It's definitely this year. Yeah, soon, isn't it? I meant to say as well, I've started to actively like Jeff Keighley now. I know it's not like I disliked him before. (laughs) It was just like, this is the... Roll up, roll up, game circus man. But now I'm just sort of like, oh, it's my mate Jeff. Do you know what I mean? I'm pleased to see him when he's because he's so excited about the games. Have you heard of Stockholm syndrome? <laughs> yeah, right. See, the weird thing is, in his shows, there's always one or two things where he breaks out his his sort of general kind of you know sort of presenter sort of slick sort of veneer and he gets a bit more excited and his voice gets yeah. a little louder and i think that reveals what he's genuinely into and it's always the weirdest stuff so yesterday it was it was the death stranding stuff okay that makes sense he's all pally with kojima but the thing he got really loud about was the fact that you could um heal turtles in the turtle arcade game by feeding each other pizza <laughs> And I was like, wow, you're really, you're like, are you into turtles or are you into pizza? Like, what's, That's really what's going cute. on with that? Leave Alice, alone. do you know what that is? That's Jeff the man. Exactly, yeah. That's the, the, the man you spent a year on a raft with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my pal, Jeff. <laughs> uh, 9th of November for Jurassic of World Evolution 2. Did you, you, see- you actually learned a useful fact about PC games. <laughs> what do you mean? Every week we bring the facts. Mm. <laughs> uh, did you see the trailer for Jurassic World Dominion, by the way? Big teeth. No. There's a new trailer. Sure I don't know why I said they're like the Churchill Bulldog, but I'm very maybe, excited. Maybe it was new to me. I only saw it the other day. Oh, oh, no. oh, oh. Big, big old teeth on them. And uh, apparently- I saw some people... Dunking on the film director this morning because there was a quote from him where he was like, in this film we explore about um, what happens when dinosaurs get out and how that affects people. And I saw lots of people saying, well, that's every Jurassic Park film. <laughs> I, I, well, I saw someone uh, dunking on him because he said, like, Jurassic World asks one question or something like, would you be safe if dinosaurs lived among, among us? And the answer is no. 
Yeah, that was it. That's. That I was don't. Something. I don't think that's true. I've seen, you know, the Flintstones. I think they wouldn't. They run away from most of them. Would just run away from, like, you know, people and built-up areas, and they just want to find like a nice forest. Yeah. Did I've... you see that new dinosaur game, um, Instinction? Uh, that was a. Um... No. Oh, that was an E3 thing, but it sort of got lost amongst all the, all the other stuff. Uh, it is yet another, like, open-world dinosaur survival game. Like, you know, The Isle and things like that. Um, well, maybe, actually, you don't follow dinosaur survival games as religiously <laughs> as I do. No, yeah. Sorry. We've got a terrible habit of, like, going into early access with massive ambitions and just sort of being a bit empty for a few years and then being forgotten about. But this one looks, it, it looks like it's trying to be open world dino crisis. And I can get behind that. Mm. Currency yeah. there is dinosaurs. That would be it's good. If, I'd like to, if Jurassic World Evolution had like f- fully went in on like, you know, ha- having a currency that was like meddling with God or whatever. And then if you if you got loads of that, you could make like a proper hench dinosaur that can turn invisible, like in the film. It's like how much you kind of tap into your sort of Hammond ability, you know? It's like yeah, how Hammondy are you? Well, you know the sort of really uh, eclectic stats that fail better games stack you up with. Oh yeah, um, because of the engine they use. So it's like you now have four troubled by owls. <laughs> and I love that about them um, because you know that they play around with it. It's a joke in itself. Like you could totally do that with a. Well, I suppose Jurassic World Evolution did do that in a way because you had the the various the three devils, didn't you? Like the science devil, and like the security devil, and the marketing devil, and you did different things for them, and their favour with you increased and stuff. So. Was there yeah, no I suppose. One, was there no one who was like running a good park, Devil? Well, they no. all thought their way was the way to run a good park. Oh, I see. There's obviously some metatextual stuff in Jurassic, yeah. Jurassic World that I haven't. It's pretty, it's pretty deep. I guess we're reaching the inevitable stage of the podcast where we realise that the concept of currency can be applied to a vast range of things in games. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. I, Turns you know out what? we were talking about everything. <laughs> what? Uh, on that note, um, can I invite you down into the Cavern of Lies then? Ooh, oh, please. Eh? Oh, Cavern of Lies. Uh, well, welcome to the Cavern this week, lads. It's um, it it's uh, a nice kind of marble floored uh cavern with like you know some of the stalactites and stalagmites are uh, gold dipped and jewel encrusted Ooh, uh, nice because this week it is it is currency themed but it's cold hard real world currency um okay so what i have on a a plinth before you there are there are five plinths and they're set up like um uh you know in in heist films where someone steals a jewel from a museum. Uh, they're all set up on these plinths under little spotlights, and if the, they're all alarmed, and there's a 
velvet rope around them and everything. And these things are some some of the five most expensive things ever bought in a game. So they're they're digital things that were bought with vast amounts of real money. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, But one of them isn't real. So I need you to pick that one out. Uh, And that one isn't alarmed, but if you pick any of the other ones, an alarm will sound and security sniper, snipers, air dead and dead, (laughs) will will take you out. So you've got to pick the fake. All right. We're trying to steal something that doesn't exist. Gotcha. Yeah. Are we stealing them for Sir Anthony Hopkins? Yeah, so I think Hopkins wants the fake one. Because that's he's, worse he's... the most. Exactly, yeah. Does Ed Harris own the vault? Sure, yeah. I don't okay. know why Ed Harris wants to keep the fake one, but he, he does. You need to he get just out. Wants to see someone get shot. Yeah. <laughs> why yeah. not? Okay. So you ready? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So the first one uh, is the blue party hat from RuneScape, which is like a... Um, like a Christmas cracker paper crown, right? Bright mm-hmm. blue. Um, they were from a seasonal event in 2001 uh, where you could pull a cracker and you might get a hat. Um, they are one of the oldest items in RuneScape, superseded only by pumpkins, but the hat is wearable, so they're, they're more valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they were discontinued, you can now buy a party hat for around five thousand pounds or six thousand seven hundred dollars ish. Obviously price fluctuates mm. a bit. So that's your first one. Little little delicate blue party hat under the five glass grand there. party hat. It gets worse. <laughs> this is side note, I don't I, I sort of get it, but like I do not have anywhere near enough money and cannot imagine how having anywhere near enough no. money to spend that much anywhere near that much on something that could be turned off and then stop existing you know mm. anyway it makes even less sense than nfts yeah i think you should you should have to tell people that that's something you've done so that they can they know what kind of person they're dealing with like up front it's a bit just like hand, when a predator moves into a neighborhood they have to hand, go around and tell everyone hand, yeah i spent five grand on a virtual app so those people are like all right i got the measure of you yeah exactly uh all right next up we have got the cape of fury uh from diablo 3 which is uh a craftable item so it's not a drop it's it's something that's crafted um and someone rolled uh, a cape of fury that had max of everything. Uh, so it had max armor, max decks, and uh, max resistance to elements. And it also drops caltrops on hit, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 2012, this was sold for $12,000, reportedly. Um, now, Diablo 3 does, interestingly, have uh, an auction house where you can buy things for real money. And it's called the Real Money Auction House, the RMAH. But it has a cap of $250. But items are quite often sort of privately auctioned off game and then mm-hmm. traded. A shadow in-game. auction. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Uh, 
So that's the Cape of Fury. That was in 2012. That how much sold. did that sell for again? 12 grand. 12 grand. It, again, it gets worse. Okay. <laughs> All right. Item number three. Is bit, it was difficult to fit this into a glass dome. But item number three is Amsterdam. Okay. Uh, so that, that was sold in Second Life. Um, it was a, a, a sort of, you know, area in Second Life modelled after uh, Amsterdam. Can you guess which bit of Amsterdam it was modelled after? The weed Anne Frank's zone. house? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was the red light district. Obviously. Oh, that makes, that makes more sense. Oh, Second Life, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, it was modelled on the red light district and it was an adult entertainment area. Um, it was sold in 2007 on eBay for 50 grand. Blimey. 50,000 American dollars. Uh, it was sold by, we don't know who it was sold to, uh, but the previous owner was known as Stroker Serpentine. Uh, <laughs> and he wanted to concentrate on a new adult business venture. Uh, a lot of people would go to Amsterdam. It was one of the most popular places to visit. But uh, because it was recommended in, in one of the places you should check out. Uh, and apparently when you actually went there, it was quite laggy and terrible. But uh, mm. yeah, 50k for Amsterdam. I mean, I will say when I went to Amsterdam, I had one of the best meals I've ever had in a restaurant in the red light district. So, you know, yeah. intermingled with all the filth is uh, some very nice eateries. I, yeah, bonus no recommendation salt. for anyone listening. Amsterdam, <laughs> genuinely one of the best cities I've ever been to. Uh, I think it's one of the best places you can visit in Europe, certainly. Uh, it is, the, the buildings are beautiful, the canals are beautiful. It's very uh, chilled out, very pedestrianised. You'll hardly ever see any cars or bikes. Um, and yeah, amazing food, lovely people, really good uh, art museums and stuff to visit as well. Ten out I think 10 I'd rather be hit by a car than a bike, though. Because how how can you possibly justify that? Because the bike, the, it's like you're so close to the person. You're it, it's it's like you, machinery, and person intertwined. At least in the car, it's just like you and a bonnet. You know, yeah, but this, that's that makes you sound like you're worried about somehow being fused with another person <laughs> and a machine. The embarrassment of it. <laughs> what? But if you get it's... hit by a car, you might die. Yeah, but I really don't like being embarrassed. <laughs> I'm definitely, at least I wouldn't have had a, a, an awkward five minutes. Yeah. Incredible. Very British statements. In, in, incredible Matthew podcast this week. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely outstanding. Um, all right. Item number four is uh, Zuzo, who was a character uh, from WoW. Uh, this was also sold in 2007, so I don't know what was going on that year. But um, Zuzo was a level 70 night elf rogue who had uh, magical items, including the twin war glaives of Azanoth. So he was quite a, a valuable character. And someone apparently whispered at Zuzo uh, as he was being played. And uh, offered more and more money to just buy the character off the player who'd made him, uh, and he was eventually sold for 
differed. The BBC has it at 7K euros. So it's quite a lot. Mm. Um, but apparently uh, the player who bought him was then banned afterwards, uh, quite soon afterwards, because you're not allowed to do that in well. <laughs> oh, so a character as in you're sort of sold their character, not you, you can't yeah. sell char- like NPCs in that game. Yeah, no, no, no. It was a character okay, this right. guy had made and played, got up to level 70, was a, a powerful character that had some like rare magical weapons, <laughs> and he sold basically, I guess, his, like, his login details, I suppose. Right, right. Um, and then that account was banned when it sort of came out that he'd been sold, because you're not allowed to, to do that, because okay. I guess it seems unfair. But, you know, guy went away with 7K, so... And then finally, mm-hmm. again, quite hard to fit into a little little display case, uh, but we had the Planet Calypso from Entropia, which is, um, Entropia is a, a sci-fi MMORPG. Um, the planet, the whole planet was purchased from the devs, so they'd made this planet uh, in 2011. Uh, and interestingly, Entropia has quite an interesting um, system as well because it, it runs on basically microtransactions in that the in-game currency has to be bought with real-world money, but it has a fixed value. So Entropia's in-game currency can be exchanged back to US dollars uh, at 10 to 1. So 10 Entropia bucks, I don't know what they're called, are worth and dollar. Uh, okay. But someone bought a whole ass planet in Entropia for $6 million in 2011. Mm. They mm. are all very compelling. Yeah, this is horrific. I, I guess look, the one that sort of jumps out at me, I don't know, there's something about the, the whatever the Diablo one was, the fact that you can make it yourself. Surely that would mean it would undercut its value. Well, I don't know. I, you, when you make stuff, you basically roll for... Oh, it's still got a random element, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's you, not just, so you okay, roll, and, and, uh, and this was, this was, I think, the first or one of the first that got full Big, stats right. on everything. I'm going to give this the deep read. Because um, <laughs> I think... I know Alice has been thinking about the Diablos recently. So it will have been like teeming around in her mind. And I know when I have to come up with the false one for the cavern, <laughs> I have to think, right, what's familiar to me right now? Like, you know, what is, what have I read enough, you know, uh, oddly specific details about to be able to jumble together into a sort of a bone golem of falsehoods? <laughs> bone so golem I, of I, falsehoods. I think it's the rage cake. It's the Cape of Fury. Yeah, that one. Well, yeah, you th- I- so your evidence for that is that I played the beta of Diablo 2 at, at <laughs> yes, the weekend. that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> Amsterdam- I don't know if that would hold up in court. <laughs> Amsterdam is too big and wild not to be true. The last one is too obscure for it not to be true. The World of Warcraft one is interesting. Mm. Like... The the in the mention of the glaives of Ursinoth, I can't work if that out if that's uh, that's one of those details that either dams it or or, or concretes it. It's the twin war glaives of Ursinoth. 
Thank you. Yeah, they're um, they're old Illidans, aren't they? I don't know. Uh, I'm playing WoW for uh, ages. I've uh, I've played Hearthstone some. Um, <laughs> the purple man. He's he says you're not ready. Um, All right. So next time you do a cavern, is it just going to be wall to wall Age of Empires and Hearthstone, like it is every week? <laughs> I've not mentioned either of those games until just now, admittedly. Um, so just run, run through what happened. So a guy had rolled a character and got it to a mega high level and, yeah, got these glaives and well, someone Zuzo, bought it off him. He just, he just started, wow, I guess he must have started quite early because it was 2007. Um, it was a level 70 night elf rogue. Um, I think 70 was the cap at that point. Uh, and he had magical items, including the twin war glaives of Azanoth, which I guess were rare items that you had to do in special event for or something. And yeah, a, a source told the BBC that someone whispered at, at Azanoth and, and offered him more and more money until he was like, yeah, go on then. Um, I was hoping you'd do the really good pronunciation of whispered again. Whisper. That was good. Yeah, that's Thanks. great. Uh, apparently the, the Zuzo player wouldn't have said yes because he liked the character and it takes hundreds of hours, but he was, you know, down on his luck, needed some money. So he sold something. Mm. Yeah. Didn't cancel his subscription, obviously, but... Uh, no. Uh, what was the first one again? The blue party hat from Rune, RuneScape. Blue and party it's, hat. It's party hat, all one word. It's not party hat. It's party okay. hat. Okay, that's that's too specific not to be true. Yeah, or it's a genius level play, and uh, and if I'll it is, I will happily take yeah. a bullet for it. <laughs> in in the cavern of lives lies specificity is either uh, evidence <laughs> that it's true or evidence that it's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is one of the dumber parts of this game. <laughs> uh I I think I think the bogus one is I think it's Zuzo. I'm gonna be Luke Skywalker turning off his targeting computer and hurling <laughs> a grenade into a Tesco Metro <laughs> and say it's the uh the Cape of Fury. Tesco Metro. Yeah, it just seem, seems like a wild thing for him to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're not wrong. Okay, who wants to go first then? I'll, I'll, I'll grab mine first. Okay. So Matthew approaches Zuzo. I'm guessing it's like a little, a little figurine of Zuzo mm-hmm. under the glass. Uh, any special implements? You know, like any heist Glo- stuff? Gloves. going to grab it. Gloves, all right. Just puts on his <laughs> gloves. <laughs> I sprinkle salt to reveal the laser beams. <laughs> Very good, yeah. A dusting of salt. Because you have so much handy. Yeah. Um, uh, and as you reach out to, to grab the glass, the minute your fingers touch the glass, alarms sound everywhere. Oh. Uh, and a, a sniper bullet grazes your ear and, and shatters the glass as, as Ed oh. Harris shoots at you from a gantry. You've you've got to duck, man. You've got to you've got to get out of there. The next shot oh, is so going to go die. through. I don't die. Oh, I'm, I'm in a good mood today, but yeah, you did lose the game. I'm surprised Ed Harris missed. 
I think less of him now. I do. I'd okay. rather he killed me. And that's so that the allure and mystery of his character can continue. But there we go. Maybe he He's was distracted by, by the salt. Um, <laughs> all right. Nate, do you have any special heist gear or are you just going to punch the glass? I've got um, a wad, a big wad of chewing gum, like fist size, on the end of a skipping rope. And I'm okay. going to like Indiana Jones whip crack the chewing gum onto the cape and then yoink it back. Okay. Uh, it's a difficult, it's a difficult move. Uh, might depreciate the value us. of, might depreciate the value of the cape as well. If it's got a big cup of chewing gum set to it. Um, but you, uh, your aim is true. It attaches to the cape and it does yoink it back because the cape was the fake. Yes. Well done, Nate. The deep read. The deep read worked this time. You did it. I love the slow, torturous evolution of this podcast into a D&D live play podcast as well. It's <laughs> taking its time, isn't it? Uh, oh, was I right? You were right, yeah, that was the fake. Did well. Oh, no, the uh, Diablo had been on your mind, or did I just get it right? No, no, it's just I, I you, you got there, but like erroneously it was i looked up like most expensive items in games uh, and there was a discussion about the um the real money auction house um because a bunch of expensive stuff's been on there i just made something up um i don't know what the most expensive thing sold on diablo 3 is but it does seem weird that you can that a, a game allows you to trade things for 250 dollars a bit much a bit much anyway uh Get out of we the cabin, lads. Beat it. Way! Ah. Oh, I'm, de- oh, I'm alive. Yeah. Well, thank you very much uh, for making your way through that cavern, lads. Um, it's now the end of the podcast, but all that remains is for us to make some recommendations this week, because every week we recommend something that is not a video game. Uh Matthew, what have you got this week for us? I'm going to recommend the television series The White Lotus, which Ooh. is uh, on Now TV in the UK or some, uh, I don't know, is it, it might be an HBO thing in America, I don't know, um, about a holiday resort in Hawaii. About I think it's set over a week. We haven't finished it yet. Uh, only six episodes long. Um, about... Lots of really ghastly people going to this holiday resort and just the dreadful sort of snobbery and kind of weird sort of politics between them and the staff there and between themselves. In Like, this this makes it sound terrible, but it's just this really sort of toxic stew of issues that's slowly bubbling up in paradise. Um, like... Just, but it's brilliant. Like it is, it's it's really really funny, and and watching how these tiny little things spiral out of control and and sort of build up into these great big um, uh, kind of problems is is really really engaging. So give that a go if you don't mind a bit of cringe. <laughs> the way you said cringe then was spine tingling. That was horrible. <laughs> yeah, bit of cringe. Yeah, bit cringe. Uh, uh, Vitamin C. Oh, uh, thank you very much. My recommendation this week is also not a book. 
um, and is a TV show. It is the New Zealand version of Taskmaster. Um, they're on their second season. I think it's still airing now. Um, obviously not available in many places um, outside of New Zealand. Uh, but um, who knows? You know, maybe full episodes are on YouTube. Who knows? Uh, mm-hmm. Very, very funny. Really, really good. I like New Zealand and Australian comedians. I think they're a bit closer to kind of, you know, UK and Irish sense of humor than Americans. Because the Americans tried to do Taskmaster and just, just biffed it. Just kind of got it completely wrong. Didn't didn't feel right to me. But um, yeah, the New Zealand one is excellent. Um, Nate, have you come up with something at the last minute? Uh, no, no. Uh, it's actually a sequel to a previous recommendation. It's another World War I film, but this time it's a documentary. Um, Aztecs and World War I for me at the moment. Yeah. Really relaxing stuff. Um, That's a one-two punch, isn't it? Yeah. Two great tastes that go well together. This is uh, They Shall Not Grow Old, which is um Peter Jackson project where he colorized loads of footage from World War One, and uh, there's, uh, yeah, footage of people who fought in World War One um, being, uh, not footage, like, you know, the audio of interviews being played over the top, and it's absolutely haunting. Um, mm-hmm. And it just technically astonishing as well. Like, I... It's probably a realization you've had, but when you see old footage that has been colorized, even more than with photos, it gives you a sudden, really reality challenging moment where you realize the past would, you know, looked exactly like the present. It, it, it wasn't a black and white world. And that sounds so facile to say, mm. but when you actually see it proved, it just, it's jaw dropping. Mm. Um, uh, really affected me watching that and um, yeah I would honestly recommend it to anyone fabulous thank you very much Nate Uh, and thank you dear listener for sticking with us through this hour and change of cyberbullying salt boy over here Uh, (laughs) (laughs) you want some salt on your ice cream yeah Uh, Uh, (laughs) I just pity people who can't enjoy food without performance enhancing drugs (laughs) Uh, uh, but this was uh, episode 153 of the Electronic Wireless Show Rock Paper Shotguns PC Gaming Podcast and the only podcast you need in my opinion Uh, don't forget to check out Rock Paper Shotgun on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube where you can find um, you know us Um, there's the Discord where you can chat about the podcast and you can also email podcast at rockpapershotgun.com with questions, suggestions and comments. Please just be nice to us. Um, there's also our merch store, which is going to be linked in the show notes uh, where you can buy a lovely Cardinalized t-shirt. Uh, but for all your PC gaming needs, just go to www.rockpapershotgun.com. Uh, until next week, it's goodbye uh, from all of us. Uh, and that's me, Alice Bell. Mike O Transactions. Fancy another spin on the Wheel of Chance. The Wheel of Socks, surely. Yes, also that. 
but that costs extra. And Auric Goldfinger. I love gold! 